In the Indian corporate ecosystem, the past two years have seen more first-time buyers than ever before. First-time buyers account for more than 80% of the deals in the past two years in 2020 and 2021, up from less than 70% in the period of 2017 to 2019. As more companies are doing more deals, it also means that the average deal size is now smaller with fewer than $5 billion plus mega deals and more deals are now being done in the range of $500 million to $1 billion. Now this data is from Bain & Company's new report which it has launched and it is called India M&A Acquiring to Transform. And the report focuses on how companies are using mergers and acquisitions more than ever before to transform themselves. Hello, I'm Pooja Sarkar and you're listening to Capital Ideas. Today I have with me Karan Singh, he's the managing partner of Bain Company India office and also looks after the M&A vertical in India. The report has been co-authored by Vikram Chandrasekhar. Uh, unfortunately, we do not have Vikram with us to discuss the report, but we do have Karan to talk us through the details of the report and the new insights that they are seeing and how Indian corporates and of course how Indian startups are now going ahead and acquiring companies in their ecosystem. Thank you so much Karan for being on the show. Uh, can you just take us to, you know, when you start the report, uh, we see that you've written that corporate shareholders are expecting 27% returns in the coming years which is far higher than the average that has been seen over the last few years. What are the reasons for the same? Pooja, there is a, uh, there is an expectation of, uh, of significant growth in the next chapter. So I think if I broaden your question a little bit, I think there are three uh, reasons why we are seeing tremendous momentum uh, when it comes to uh, M&A. The first one is there is a bold boldness and there's a reset of the ambition of the key decision makers. Second one is really an appetite uh, for growth and lots of opportunities for transformative growth um, given all the disruptions in the market. And the third one, very importantly, is there is a super abundance of capital that can help fund some of the growth ambitions and look at the inorganic opportunities. So I think a combination of those three coming together is really what's fueling the uh, M&A activity in, uh, in India and also globally. Okay. Uh, one thing I wanted to understand in your report, you talk about how deal sizes have now fallen significantly from a $5 billion kind of range to nearly $500 million to a $1 billion kind of range. Because when we look at Indian private equity, transactions on the PE side have actually, uh, the average deal size there has gone above a $1 billion. If you could take us, take the listeners through, why is it that we're seeing a transformational shift when it comes to deal sizes and transactions in the M&A space in India? I think the point we're making is there is a, uh, there is a rise of first-time buyers, if I segregate your question, into corporate buyers uh, and financial uh, investors. The corporate buyers, um, there is a significant increase in the first-time buyers. If you look at the data we've got here, the first-time buyers has increased in the span of five, five or six years from about 50% to about 85%. That's very substantial. So I think we are seeing uh, lots of new players consider M&A for the first time 
as they look at these opportunities that we've talked about, whether it's in the scale uh, to get scale or whether it's expanding scope or acquiring new capabilities. So that is the big story in our view. Um, the financial investors continue to be super active in the market. Um, and they, we are seeing a, a shift there as well. We are seeing them not only look at larger size deals, we are also seeing them uh, look at roll-ups, um, you know, look at buyouts. Um, so they continue to be, and then look at themes uh, in new age economies and themes in ESG as well. So that continues. And I think that momentum is, uh, is quite structural because also they are sitting on a lot of uh, dry powder and looking at lots of attractive opportunities. But I think from the corporate side, the rise of first-time buyers um, looking at, uh, at deals to fuel their growth expectations or their growth ambition is really the big story. We are still seeing large-size deals, but you know those have always been the one-offs as opposed to the more structural drivers of uh, you know, first-time uh, you know, deal, uh, deal flow. Okay. Uh, when, you, when we talked about, you know, when we just talked about the first-time uh, people who are coming and acquiring uh, companies at this time, there are a lot of companies that are doing transactions outside the core operations. That is what your report also says. And these are known as the scope deals. And four out of 10 transactions have been scope deals in India. If you could take the listeners through what are the reasons for the same? What are the challenges of doing scope deals? And uh, and how can they actually aid a company's growth? If you can take both sides and if you can explain. Yeah, that's an excellent question, Pooja. Um, I think the data is actually quite interesting. Uh, we see scope deals having increased from, say, about 30% of all deal flow to about 40%. Um, so that's a, a combination of capability and scope deals. And I think the driver of that really is people are uh, looking at redefining uh, their business boundaries and, uh, and looking at adjacencies or and, and or looking at engine two opportunities. So um, there, is a, there is a big, big uh, move as people are, are looking at tapping new geographies, um, you know, new adjacent areas uh, of growth. And you're seeing this both with the corporate buyers, you're seeing this with the digital insurgents. Um, and you're seeing also a rise of, uh, you know, players across the board uh, tapping MA to access capabilities that they've not uh, gotten in-house. The big ones really would be technology and digital. Um, a great uh, example here is, of course, looking at what the IT folks are doing, the ITES players who are accessing uh, you know, new, new uh, adjacencies, new verticals, um, new markets, um, especially you know, in, in the likes of the, of the developed markets in the US, and new types of capabilities, whether it comes to cloud, um, tech, et cetera. So I think a combination of those you're seeing is a rise of uh, why we're seeing a rise of scope and capability capability deals. I think also the, the interesting point here is um, one needs to be uh, think and if you look at um, rise of scope deals along with the with the with the mega trend of first time buyers, I think it's very important to have a, a value creation playbook. Um, and I think what successful players do is um, they have a very clear playbook for uh, integration and, and, and scope deals require a very different integration playbook compared to scale deals. So I think as we are seeing the rise of capability and scope deals at the same point, 
we need to be quite clear about what is the value unlock, the value creation thesis, that um, and how does one approach the integration and, and achieving the full potential of these deals, uh, which is a little bit different than uh, doing integrating, you know, scale scale deals. So I think both sides are important. I think there's a need for scope and uh, and capability deals, but there is a very different and a distinct approach that needs to be deployed to get the full value from these uh, from these deals. I was just going to ask, you know, there's something that I find it interesting that, you know, over the last decade, since the financial crisis, most of the conglomerates and corporates had to deleverage because everybody was heavily burdened. Uh, they had to deleverage. People have been selling their non-core assets. But if you look at the, uh, the tech space in the last two years, since the pandemic, we've seen so many transactions that have happened. For example, Baijus alone have done nearly $2 billion. They didn't I mean, they've done nearly 11 acquisitions. Then there is uh, uh, PharmEasy, which acquired Thyrocare. A lot of these transactions can also be said that, you know, people are building up scale in this renew, in the tech, new te uh, tech companies are trying to build scale so that they can go ahead and do an IPO in a later time. But how do you define how corporates have changed and evolved over the years, what, the way they are doing transactions versus how the new tech companies are doing transactions? It's a great question, uh, Pooja. On the uh, on the conglomerate side, what we are seeing is an active uh, strategic reshaping of the portfolios, um, and the data. Um, and I think that's a very smart move by the conglomerates. The data, when we look at conglomerate uh, performance over time across markets, the ones that do really well are actively, um, you know, reshaping that their portfolios. And we are starting to see the same in India as well. Uh, we are seeing players who are looking and uh, assessing, um, you know, non-core assets and 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 assets that are more valuable to another parent, and looking at divesting. And they're doing this with a strategic lens to reinvest in more attractive areas. I think also one of the drivers here is you're starting to see also the rise of the next gen coming in, and so. They're looking and saying, you know, what what parts of the portfolio do they want to uh, double down on or, or create uh, as part of their next chapter? So we're seeing uh, conglomerates uh, look at uh, divestments, and and given that the that the, that the multiples are high, it's a very smart move when you are uh, thinking of not uh, getting rid of non-core assets um, and using that to double down on areas where there is attractiveness. Uh, and, and again, they're looking at scale deals there, they're looking at scope deals there, they're also looking at platform deals. So we are starting to see many different uh, conglomerates also look at platform opportunities, um, which ties to your second point actually of what's happening on the digital insurgent side. I think digital insurgents are, uh, again, um, are, are, are taking advantage of a lot of capital, um, a tremendous amount of, uh, of, of boldness in terms of their growth aspiration. And they're looking at um, you know, tapping inorganic opportunities to fuel their ambition. We've got uh, Baiju is a great example. I think uh, Farmeasy is another really good example. They've, done, they've both done scale deals, they've done scope deals, and they've done uh, you know, um, um, to, to, to grow. And they are, um, they are creating um, platforms for the future. And uh, there is a theme here towards, um, you know, creating omni-channel experience when it comes to 
Baiju when it comes to, um, you know, if you look at a, a digital insurgent like OYO, they're looking at new geographies as well. So they're taking their business models to global markets because many of the digital insurgents are, are um, their addressable markets are, are, are not India per se. They are also looking at multi-regional or global markets. And they're looking at creating, um, you know, assets that, um, that are much more, that, that look at the omni-channel experience and, um, and they're picking up assets that are quite strategic to them. So it's quite similar. It's how does one create and assemble a platform um, which is uh, aligned to their strategic vision? There's one thing I wanted to understand, you know, uh, while tech-enabled companies are doing transactions and bolting up on their uh, on their portfolios, uh, the larger corporates are now heavily focusing on the ESG, the renewable side of the businesses. For example, Reliance has come in and says that you know they'll be coming, they'll be investing. Uh, I think they'll be investing over the next three years in renewable space. Adani's are also doing the same. They have done the, one of the biggest transactions that was a SoftBank uh, asset that they acquired earlier this year. If you could take the listeners through on what is really happening with conglomerates and their ambitions of doing M and A or you know uh, doing transactions in the renewable side. I think we are in chapter one of the ESG journey, and I think this is a mega trend that will gain momentum going forward. Um, I think the level of awareness uh, and the call to action um, is, uh, is clearly established. I think CEO, uh, the COP26 made this quite clear. Um, but um, we see companies um, doubling down in, in, in looking at opportunities that are ESG-oriented. Um, and they're looking at a combination not only of ESG, but also thinking about ESG plus tech, I think there is a multiplier impact if one can get that right. So this is also about reshaping the portfolio in terms of creating sustainable platforms for the future. So renewables is a great example. There are multiple examples of ESG um, related deal flow as well. I think if you look at the auto space, EV is another great example where people are, um, are, are doubling down on tech disruptions and thinking about ESG in combination. I mean, you've seen the, 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 um, the investments from uh, TPG Rise into Tata Motors as an example here. We are gonna see a lot more deal flow um, where we're seeing in other, other um, areas like health, education, financial services, or people looking at um, you know, ESG related investments, whether it's increasing access to, the, um, to a whole host of people in the tier two, tier three, tier four geographies or creating solutions for first-time buyers um, that are all um, um, around the ESG themes. So I think we're just getting started. I see this, uh, um, the ESG theme and the tech themes intersecting and people are very clearly looking at the combination of those opportunities to redefine business boundaries and m and a means to that. True. Uh, one thing I want to know is that there has been a gradual erosion of share shareholder uh, uh, in Mer. Sorry, I think there's some lag. Just one second. Okay. Uh, in your report, you talked about there has been a gradual er erosion of shareholder values in uh, due to uh, in companies in conglomerates. Uh, over the over the last few years until they have gone ahead and they've shaken themselves up. Could you talk about a few examples where you see that conglomerates are now reshaping themselves to stay relevant? 
I think there are many examples, Pooja. I mean, um, on the divestment side, I think Mahindra is a great example where they uh, uh, are unlocking value by exiting certain positions and doubling down in other areas. I think Tata's is another very good example where we've seen them, uh, you know, um, focus on their super app and enter the the tech and the digital space in a big way, and they've done a multiple uh, number of deals. You've seen Reliance uh, been very active, as you rightly said, on the ESG theme, on the renewables, which is a big bet, uh, big bet for them. So I think you're seeing uh, conglomerates across the board, you know, re, as I said earlier, reshape their, their portfolio um, and, and using uh, M&A uh, both in terms of uh, funding their growth and, um, and, and looking for new hotspots uh, to double down for the future. One last question before I let you go. A, uh, what are the big themes for 2022? And uh, second would be how, I mean, a lot of the, com- I mean, there's a different ways co- corporates are behaving. Like, as we said that, you know, traditional companies are rewiring themselves. The newer ones are trying to bolt up their acquisitions. Will we also see a lot of outbound transactions from India? Um, I, I think there is. Uh, we are seeing cross-border deals. I think we've seen more inbound deals than outbound deals. It differs, differs a little bit by sector. A lot of the outbound deals have been focused a little bit more on sectors like IT, IT services. But there is a tremendous interest in, uh, in India and um, global players that are doubling down in terms of, in, and this is across sectors, whether it's, whether it's infrastructure, whether it's um, even steel, um, whether it's uh, um, renewables, um, whether it's even consumer, we are seeing companies double down in India um, for the for the next chapter. Your question is a very good one in terms of what do we see in 2022. First thing I would say is uh, let's not sit out the activity when it comes to MA. The the data from the last GFC, the global financial crisis, when we look at that. We see turbulence as opportunities are crucible, uh, are, are, are offers a crucible of opportunities for people to take positions. The data in 22, when we analyzed the 2008, 2009 data, people who actively uh, did this on the MA front uh, saw their EBIT, their profitability um, delta of 2x compared to those who sat it out. So one needs to be smart about thinking about the right kinds of deals. Uh, but this is a good time to consider opportunities uh, that are strategic and, and, and how does m um, become part of their ambition. There is very strong evidence here of um, how does one think about m and as an um, as a, as a ongoing capability as opposed to a one-off. So how does one think about, um, you know, with the data again shows that, um, that serial buyers um, who who have a playbook and are using M&A strategically over time, uh, do much better than either those who set it out or that do it as a one-off. So how does one create an M&A playbook and, uh, and be strategic about uh, M&A opportunities just in line with their, uh, their ambition? Third thing I would say is absolutely, let's look at um, the combination of tech and ESG as a lens to uh, evaluate uh, M&A opportunities. And the fourth one I would say is um, one needs to clearly make sure um, that one has a playbook um, for making sure we get the returns 
um, um, and we, we we're getting the returns from the deals um, because um, the and, and there is a very distinct approach when it comes to scale deals um, and when it comes to scope deals and this is especially true when we're looking at the mega trend of first time buyers so deploying a very clear integration or a value creation playbook i think is quite important um, to make sure we are getting the returns because some of the entry multiples today are actually quite high so i think there's multiple mega trends but i think see this mna um, uh, activity actually continue into the next uh, next couple of years because of some of the structural drivers we talked about in the beginning Garan, if you could take the listeners through, you know, how a lot of financial sponsors have been driving a lot of these transactions in India and globally. Uh, do you expect that liquidity will be this easy, uh, freely available in the future also because you're looking at rate, uh, I mean, uh, tightening of rates and going forward or how are financial sponsors going to be backing transactions in the future? Uh, Pooja, I, I, uh, we are seeing um, continued momentum with the financial investors, and I think that will continue. They are looking, and there's plenty of opportunities in the market, and then the, uh, they are sitting on a lot of dry powder that they will put to use uh, with the right uh, with the right um, uh, companies to back. So I, I, do, I see this continuing. It will continue in, in, in uh, certain sectors, more so. Uh, we are already starting to see you know, consumer tech, um, we're starting to see uh, renewables, we're starting to see, you know, financial services, IT. So certain sectors will be bigger beneficiaries, I think. I think you're also starting to see very different deal flows. We're starting to see more roll-ups, which we had not seen in the past. We're seeing more buyouts. We're seeing larger deals. So I think the mix and the shape of uh, deal activity might, uh, might continue to evolve. But uh, there is... Uh, there is a, there is tremendous momentum with the financial investors. I don't see that coming to coming to a, um, a halt by any means. I think that will continue. True. Cool. Thank you so much for your time today, and uh, I hope to speak to you next year also. And thanks a lot for your time. Thank you, Pooja. I look forward. Take Thanks. care. Bye.